Welcome back to our childhood sucked. In this episode, the team discusses how pop culture impacted our relationship with relationships. Among a variety of topics, we discuss shipping, simping, Jim and Pam, foxes dating each other in Robin Hood, and inappropriate age gaps. This episode was recorded on December 30th, 2020. Yeah, we're recording. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, yeah, no problem. You <laughs> son of a bitch. All right. Um, so today, Doing this as an ASMR episode. Ew. What is this? <laughs> I don't, this weird. I don't really know if I like this relationship between me and Daniel today. <laughs> Daniel just is going to talk to me in husky tones. Okay. Um, oh, that's a great lead away to our first question. You know what it is? We're talking about relationships. We're getting down and maybe dirty. dirty. I don't know. What's it? What'd you just say? I said dirty. Oh, that's right. <laughs> no, I thought you said down in Fergie, which I was like, you know, I used to have a crush on Fergie. Um, and then Fergie got weird. All right. So here we are. Our first question of the day. Let's warm up a little bit. You know, you don't want to just jump into something. You know, you got to warm up, dip the toes in the water a little bit. So what was the first relationship in uh, any media that you either supported and or obsessed over? I'm going to start, I guess. Okay, great. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so I liked a lot of relationships. Like, I love shipping. I think it's the most fun part about watching a show. Um, <laughs> sorry to say. Um, but the first relationship that I was ever just like, that I felt really connected with in some way was from this show called Misfits. And um, it's a British show uh, that showed around like 2010 on E4. And it's about five like young adults who get sentenced to community service. And while they're serving their community service, they all get struck by lightning in a huge lightning storm. And it gives them all superpowers that reflect something about their character. And, and people out in the world who also get superpowers too. And so um, <laughs> there are these two characters, Simon and Alicia. And Simon is this very awkward and socially like inept guy. And he gets, um, unsurprisingly, the, uh, the power of invisibility. And then there's the character of Alicia, who is like this beautiful, gorgeous, like sexually open, like social butterfly kind of character. And she gets the superpower, except it's not really a superpower, it's like a freaking curse that everyone who touches her just becomes insanely, frighteningly horny for her. Um, and... <laughs> um, frighteningly horny. Frighteningly horny. Call that my college experience. 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so... Uh, flash forward, there's like this episode, I believe if my memory serves me, where they encounter this villain who believes that he is in a uh, video game character, that he is in a video game, so he's killing people, but um, he thinks he's just like in a game or something, if I remember correctly. Anyways, I think at the end of the episode, Alicia is like tied up and she gets saved by this mask hero and... Um, who turns out to be Simon from the future. And so, whoa. And so um, 
they start this, you know, um, world, this like really fast romance and Simon, future Simon ends up dying, like sacrificing himself for her. And then he's like, you need to like, you know, be it's like this weird time loop thing where it's like now you need to be with Simon so Simon can become me and like all this stuff. Um, but sophomore me just really ate it up because one, I love opposites attract. I don't care. I see two opposites on screen and I'm like, kiss now. Um and <laughs> I also love I feel like that was the first because Alicia is black or i think that the actress is uh biracial i think it was the first time that i really got to see like a black woman in this kind of like an actual like her her romance actually felt invested in in a way that i hadn't seen um in television before um so yeah that's it I, I was re-watching The Office uh, the past couple days, um, and I've come to the stark realization that Sally and I are Holly Flax and Michael Scott, um, like, when they get engaged. So if you're not familiar, spoilers for The Office, uh, <laughs> Michael Scott is an idiot who runs The Office, and Holly Flax is an HR representative who joins the Scranton branch multiple times and they're sort of just big dummies together. And they realize that they're like soulmates because they just like sort of complete each other's like weirdness. And they also have this like, there's also this like really beautiful episode where like Michael gets left at a gas station by Jim because Jim's kid is stuck in a car back home. So Jim drives off and Michael's left and Michael is basically a child. And so he just starts roaming around downtown Scranton so Dwight and um, Aaron go looking for him, but Holly comes and Holly is like intuitively figuring out where Michael is and like it leads to this rooftop and they kiss and it's a wonderful thing. Um, but I used to be like big Jim and Pam stuff. And then now when I got in, I was like, oh, the subtle nuances of Holly and Michael, like, what is this? Like, oh my. <laughs> It's like you never you you appreciate it more the more you watch it, but I don't know if I'm going to pay four ninety nine for Peacock. So this may be the last time I watch it for a little bit. So yeah, who else? Is that where the office is going after it leaves? Netflix? Yeah, because NBC. Oh, God damn it. Yeah, well, it's an NBC property. But you can get all the other great NBC properties like um, Saved by the Bell, <laughs> like Saved by the Bell. Is that where Parks and Rec Seinfeld. went to? Parks and yes. Rec might have gone there. Yeah. Yeah, Parks and Rec. Okay. Okay. That's worth it then. Um, I can go next. Okay, great. Um, Edward and Bella. Uh, this will be a Twilight episode for me. <laughs> I don't really know what to, I don't feel like I have to explain that. Um, I feel like most people know the Edward and Bella situation, the problematicness of that. Um, but middle school me was like so into that, like, uh, you know, the, the depth of that feeling because I had so many emotions. Right. Um, yeah. 
I feel like I'm the only one who never really got into Twilight. Like, I never. I got. got I got into it for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, same. <laughs> I literally know. Like my family, we. I don't remember if I've said this before, but we went to Forks, Washington, like as a family trip. Um, like we would go. We would go to like California to see my mom's family a lot, and then yeah, we were just like. I don't know how I got away with like convincing my parents that we should go there. But yeah, we went to Forks, Washington. We went to La Push Beach. We went to Port Angeles. We went to some of the filming locations. It was a whole thing. <laughs> I was so deep into it. What was it about their relationship that was? The- I, literally, I like ask myself that daily now. <laughs> like so sexual tension. I mean, yeah, but also like he's so... Ugh. he's so he's so creepy like I think yeah yeah I, I mean again I think I just and this is you know that this is something that I can you know that answer is one of the you know what is the the answer that comes later the most toxic trait so right. I can save that yeah if we, right. I think- Luigi you were hitting uh, sorry real quick then Luigi no, no, no. you were hitting uh, the tension of like not only like the sexual attention, but also the attention of like, is he gonna fucking kill her? Yeah, like, yeah, the danger. The, da- oh. the danger, danger. What was that? What were you gonna say, Daniel? I can I can talk about it when we talk about uh, toxic traits because I've 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 thought about it a little bit. Fantastic. Yeah. I can go. You- oh, oh, sorry. Wait, Daniel, you're already there. Jump in, Daniel. Uh, mine, mine was uh, the the tenth Doctor, David Tennant, and Rose Tyler. Um, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, every yeah. If you know, you know. Um, <laughs> that like that was Doctor Who was like probably the first like real serialized show I watched, um, and uh, like the first season's really good. David Tennant's first season is like um, is amazing though um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, and I like like I like other Doctors more. I like other I like other David Tennant companions more than Rose. Um, but like the two of them together is still. Um, in terms of romantic pairings, really, really um, interesting and really, really um, well done for me. It's, it doesn't it doesn't come out of nowhere like a lot of other uh, shows of that genre do with their romance plots. Uh, it, I think it builds very naturally, considering he's like a bajillion years old and she's like twenty and from London. So, yeah. See, I think for me, I could never really. I always hated Rose uh, in the Doctor's romance. I think mainly because David Tennant was supposed to be with me. Uh, in <laughs> retrospect, I think is what was going on. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's um, like they're it. They never they never quite come out and say it until it's too late. And there's something always really exciting and interesting about that. Uh, spoiler alert for. Uh, a show from about 10 years old, 15 years old. Um, but she eventually gets trapped in like another universe. And it's still like one of the most iconic scenes I've seen from television or movies where she gets like sucked through this portal in a wall and she's on the other end and like goes and like puts her hand against it. And he's on the other end and they put their hand against it. It's amazing. The music's so good. They both sell it amazingly. Um, and it's, it's really, really great. And then she comes back right at the end when he, when he, regenerates when he dies um and that also like made me sob so 10th doctor rose tyler i don't remember it being problematic it might be i don't remember it being that though i'm really hoping it isn't <laughs> i haven't watched it in a few years 
Um, well, the classic example that comes to mind for me is definitely like Jim and Pam um, and like going through and like, like, cause they, their like love line was like, a, like it was like a plot point, but it wasn't like the show wasn't about it. So like they, you'd only get like a minute or like a 30 second like glance between the two of them or like little bits. But I took those little bits and I would rewatch them, like those little looks they gave each other. And I would have to go back and like, it was, yeah, it was just because it was like, oh, these little moments. Um, but when I saw the question of like our, the first relationship we supported, I I thought like, like I thought way back. And I kind of thought about, did you guys ever watch the animated Robin Hood movie where he's a fox? Speaking of my boyfriend. <laughs> I, him and Maid Marion, like they're just gonna be together, but like the other little she's a fox too. And like things keep getting in the way, and there's like snake and stuff like that. But I was like, oh, like they just like they have this immediate connection, like have to be together. <laughs> so that's what I thought of. Uh, fox romance. There's uh... <laughs> Yeah, the fox romance. Nothing better, you know? Oh, wait, they're actually foxes. Yeah. <laughs> in more ways than one, honey. In more ways than one. Historically. <laughs> people, are, people always wonder, like, where did furries come Robin from? Hood it's that movie. Fox. Maybe. <laughs> you can borrow my Disney Plus account for yeah, Robin Hood. It's, so, it's a funny movie. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're going to move into the next thing, which is like, what is the biggest lesson that you learned from pop culture about it, about how to have like a good romantic relationship? Now, this piece of advice doesn't necessarily have to be positive. It could be like the, what was the most overwhelming thing that was told to you that would be like the key to success, right? Um, one that comes to my mind is like this weird lesson that some shows would be like, age is only a number right like it's about <laughs> maturity and then others would be like no you should date in your age like is that a big lesson to learn i don't know but a lot of shows really want to test that boundary um so there's a lesson uh, as an example to throw out if anybody would like to jump in first i think kind of going along smj with that sort of contradiction you were talking about is i think the trying to find out how to phrase this the sort of morals and lessons around monogamy were I think really interesting. On one hand, every show and movie and book was like, monogamy, find your soulmate. But then also like almost everything was also like, he's attracted to these two girls. What's he gonna do? Which gave raise to one of my least favorite genres of film, which is where one conversation about polyamory would solve the whole plot. And so it was this really interesting sort of like juxtaposition of one that's just almost all romantic storylines in television or film is based around how depressed monogamy makes everybody but then also like but you have to be monogamous you have to exclude one of these people you can't date both of them uh which was a really i think interesting sort of like contradiction the same way you're talking about smj about like age is just a number but only date people your age yes i want to jump off of that a little bit because on, on the spectrum or whatever, like between mo monogamy and polyamory, I fit, I don't know, but I definitely have only begun to think about the fact that like monogamy is very much shoved down our throats. And if you like, even now, like I have the mindset of like, if you are with someone 
and that someone can entertain the idea of being some with someone else, then they don't love you. Like, it's like this sense of like scarcity. It's like everyone has this one ball that you can only give this one person or else you have to take it back. Um, and then also the sense, the idea that like love and soulmates and whatever and the one is like this kind of like supernatural um, <laughs> pull between two people that like when you love someone you just like can't help it and it has nothing to do with your actions and your decisions and what you do it's like if you love someone it's just it's there and you have no control over mm -hmm. whether it stays or goes I, th I think also that idea of like your soulmate is someone uh who like oh my god you love the same food and we love the same movie and all that stuff like the idea that um the part that your your at least romantic partner uh has to be like just like a most of the time um it just has to be a different version of yourself and that's uh cra crazy um and not not true um yeah. but I, I i think also that idea of uh soulmates like that's like that's why we as a society we're not ready for the how i met your mother series finale um because that was the spoiler alert that was the entire point of that show was that soulmates don't exist you can love multiple people uh you can love multiple people very very deeply um and and incredibly passionately and like that's like i love the ending of that show because it twisted the entire thing on its head the entire idea on its head especially for a network sitcom of Oh, like there's always, you know, there's always the two people and they're going to beat it. No, um, that's not how people really work. Um, and like, it's, it, I know it's, it's exaggeration on my part for comedy, but that's why we weren't, that's why <laughs> American society was not ready for how I met your mother. Um, that's why it wasn't ready for it. Um, the beacon of perfect relationships. Not the beacon. Of, no, I'm God, kidding, no, no. Um, but the, the beacon of, um, yeah, like, you you will date multiple people in your life you will love most people will love multiple people in their lives and that's okay and that's something to still be uh celebrated and and um really accepted and welcomed yeah the the monogamy thing is so interesting because i'm very much a monogamous person um but like yeah that idea of like the perfect person likes every single thing and like and i think we've seen it in like every piece of media is like if the people who are opposites do end up together, it's like the last resort for those two people. Mm -hmm. It's like, like even in like Greece, you know, it's like they should never be together. They're nothing alike. But then she, oh wait, never mind. She changes everything about her person and becomes whatever. I don't know, right? It's like this like weird thing of like, I can only be with a person who is different than me if every other option is exhausted or they turn out to be terrible people. And it's like, that's such a weird, like minefield to navigate. I don't even understand. Or we, or we see them in shows as the old married couples who hate each other because, uh, Oh, he's always watching football and I don't like watching football. It's like, you can, you can watch other things together. It's really okay. Yeah. They're all, uh, they're always, and you can have your own things that you like. It's, it's really okay. I promise. It's all, it's always like surface level things that um are are picked at when really that's just a it's an example of a microaggression that just blows up it's not about football at all but like 
it's always played for comedy and it's always weird. Like I don't I don't understand. I'm just seeing the chat. <laughs> <laughs> I've always gotten the like I said, I love opposites attract. Um but I think what I love about it is that there's like an assumption that if you're with someone who is opposite of you or complementary of you, then that like somehow feeds to your growth. Like if I am this very, you know, dreamy, idealistic person, then I like fantasize about someone who's like very like realistic and logistical and practical because that like is simply what I deep down desire in myself. And so I'm gonna like project that onto like another person or like project that onto these two characters, like just as an example. I think, uh, sorry, <laughs> I was just trying to see if I missed anything in the chat. Um, as someone who is married to a polyamorous man um, and like grew up in a very Catholic um, culture and has consumed a lot of media of like, you need to find that one person that, um, like fulfills everything you don't have. Um, that's very, that's a lot <laughs> for one person that's not setting you up for success. And that's something that like I'm slowly unlearning, you know, and by, there is a concept that I never saw in any sort of media, which is the idea of compersion, which is something that I have experienced in like the experience that, I had with my husband like dating other people right while we were dating other people uh, together <laughs> which is the concept that you can have this happiness on seeing the person you love happy with someone else um, which mm -hmm. is like in the culture that I grew up in it's being stupid <laughs> um, but there is an explainable joy that comes in in knowing that someone else is being kind to the person you love while not threatening the space that that you have in in that person's life um, and that's like a, and, and that doesn't come easy like it comes with a lot of like very hard conversations very um like long nights of talking and processing feelings. Um, but, and that's, that's, none of it can be learned through the media that we consume growing up because that just simply doesn't exist. Like you literally have to figure that out for yourself. Like now there are books for it, you know? Mm -hmm. But like no movie that I can think of ever taught me how to go about this in a healthy way. I, that also inspired the thought that because we are taught to believe that love is monogamous and it's so exclusive. We tend to put it on a higher pedestal than every other relationship. Mm -hmm. Like this is this one, so it's very rare and I have to hold on to it. Um, and like when it goes away, I'll have nothing. <laughs> um, I had a friend recently tell me that they cherish their platonic relationships more than their romantic and sexual relationships. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> the double take you just did. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but I don't know. They had just such a, a beautiful um, take on friendship that, like, 
when you're with your platonic relationships, you are actively choosing them in your life without expecting anything in return that you mm -hmm. would, you know, that you would with like, you know, your romantic slash sexual relationships and even your family. Um, yeah, that's my message. <laughs> yeah, that makes me think about like how how relationships are usually presented in a show is like or in media it's like that's the end game like that's the goal mm -hmm. like you know the character is always in search of that and then they find it and then it's about them and that you know but there isn't like going off of what Danielle said like the friendship thing like does take a second tier almost um and like there are shows with important friendships for sure but like it's not about the search for the friendship or like maintaining the friendship or like the life within that um, especially once like our, their romantic interest comes along. Um, and that's always super disappointing because like in my life, my friendships are the main attraction going on. Um, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, Danielle, you said something at the beginning about like the scarcity mindset when it comes to relationships, I think is really, really wise because I was reflecting on what everyone's been saying and I think to kind of the flip side of the friendship thing is that I think it also without imposing monogamy on relationships makes the monogam makes the relationship stronger because then you're choosing to be with that person right versus in a way that I think oftentimes we kind of view relationships as you know the old ball and chain bullshit you know what I mean of the like oh this is like a thing that I have to do and you see these people often men who are just like very angry with their wives and it's because we I think so often in this country define relationships as the negation of things is that when you enter into a committed relationship you give things up which is not to say that like you don't give things up in relationships I think all relationships you have to have compromise and things like that but we define relationships I think by what you give up you can't sleep with anyone else you can't be attracted to anybody else you can't you don't have freedom of movement anymore you now share your space with somebody we define it by all the things we give up instead of all the things we gain, which then puts relationships on this really high pedestal, but also I think immediately makes them constricting in a way that it's like, you know, like the whole concept of the bachelor and bachelorette party, like go out and have your last night of fun. You can't have any fun anymore because you're a married person now. It's just such a like, like relationships ought not be a prison. You know what I mean? Oh my God, I so agree. And I know we're kind of on this topic for a long time, but there's this YouTuber <laughs> called Shan Booty and she is like a, she writes a lot about, um, she's like, I don't want to dumb her down at all, but she's like, she studies like sexual, like sex and sexual relationships. And she's very much like the sex guru, in my opinion. And she is in a, um, they call it a free relationship with her husband. And that's what I, that's the first time. And she said everything that you've been saying, like that is the beauty of having someone who is like, when you know that they're with you, they're choosing to like stay in that door every day, even though the door is like clearly open. And I also think that's another, this is turning into a relationship podcast, but this, but another aspect of what makes monogamy so difficult is because it's not necessarily always like infidelity or, or mm -hmm attraction to other people it's like the deception and the dishonesty that has to be built around it because of the expectations that are now on the relationship um yo you opened in my mind uh, yeah it's interesting that you say that because um well when 
it's funny because it's when Danielle and Talia were there when things were rough for me, you know, um, with like dating Dagan. Um, sorry, can you blur his name? Uh, <laughs> Redacted. That like made me take the decision of marrying him that um, it, we decided that we wanted to be positive additions to each other's lives. Mm-hmm. And he told me something that someone asked him like don't you feel you're too young to be marrying don't you think like you're like locking yourself down and he said that it, it felt like he was starting an adventure um instead of starting to feel restricted and and it's like yeah like because it's this thing like adding a it's like a positive addition to someone's life um if 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 he doesn't want to listen to Arctic Monkeys with me. You know, there is this girl that we were seeing together that is still a good friend of us, you know, that like comes to visit, that likes listening that to with me. So I don't have to torture him, you know, so there's no, he doesn't have to pretend he likes that band. Um, and I don't have to feel like I'm forcing him to do something he doesn't want to do. But but again, like that doesn't come without a price of like which Danielle and Talia know. <laughs> like they're like, oh, what am I doing? You know, like is mm-hmm. this right? This goes against everything people ever taught me. Um, it's wild. But it, parts of it make it really worth it, and 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 it's like really freeing too, in a positive way. And I think. Going off that, first, I had no idea you were married, which is um, blowing my mind right now. Um, but I think your Arctic Monkeys thing is really, I think, brings us back around to like what SMJ was saying, or maybe it was Daniel at the beginning, of that like the idea that your partner should like all the same things you like, and like you have to be compatible in all your interests, and you have to have all the same friends, and you have to have the same ideas in life, and be sexually compatible, and all these things that now we put, we've created this idea of a person that can never exist. So whoever you're with then just becomes a constant letdown. And it's like, what do you mean you don't like the Arctic monkeys? Like, how dare you? We're supposed to like all the same things. And it's like, no, that's fucking fine, right? Like you can go find people who you're compatible with in different ways because we're all different. And I think that all of these things that we're talking about are kind of bound up in the same Judeo-Christian power structure. Not to get all academic about it. I'm really interested um, in, in real life, but also in movies with the... Um, the, uh, the the tortured artist archetype. Um, it's a really, really interesting thing uh, to explore. And um, it's always interesting to me how um, in a lot of those movies and books and everything um, that the partner always sticks around um, when the person isn't being, um, isn't being a good partner. And I, that is like shoved down throats a lot. And I, I think you see it um, I've, I haven't seen it that often, um, but I, I saw it a few times in high school and in college of like people who just didn't, for whatever reason, go and get the, the help that they needed in some cases. And then they'd have these partners who just kind of stuck around. Um, and that was okay because in movies and stuff, if, if your partner is like, for whatever reason, um, not being kind to you, um, especially if they are an art, they are they are an artistic soul in some way. Um, if they're like a writer or a musician or whatever, um, that's okay because um, that's just a role that is taught um, in media. Um, 
It's really, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting archetype. And I think especially in this realm, um, shows a lot of bad, um, lessons, a lot of really bad lessons. Um, and also on the other end, if like, if, if you're someone who does struggle with that, um, like I, I think growing up, I was exposed to a lot of things where it was like, if you are sad, then your other person, the other, your partner, whatever has to, has to pick you up. They, they have to mm. pick you up. Um, and you don't have to do anything. Um, and I don't, I don't think that's always true. Um, and so that was something that I know I personally had to unlearn was like, yeah, like the people and not just your romantic partner, your friends and everything, they will be there for you. Absolutely. If they're good friends and, and a good partner, but you got to put in some work still. Um, and you can't just take out frustrations on other people and have them still be there the next day always. And transmission. <laughs> um, I, I have not gone yet, so I will share something. Um, no, it's interesting, SMJ, that you say that this doesn't have to be like a, a positive thing, because I had been thinking at first like, oh, well, something that I took in that is a good thing for a good relationship is like, being friends first is like really good. Like that's the best way to, to like have a good relationship, whatever. So that was my first thought. But then since it doesn't have to be good, <laughs> um, some, and I guess this is maybe coming from, you know, I feel like my views on, on love and relationships has grown more cynical in, in recent times. But, um, you know, there's this message that love conquers all. And I guess, like, Daniel, that's almost similar to, like, what you're saying of, like, his <laughs> face. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, you know, oh, you know, oh, this person is, is um, like, what you were saying. They're not, they're not good right now, but, like, if you just work at it, it'll be okay or whatever. And I think that was why, you know, love is blind. I know that's a recent thing. That's not a childhood uh, thing, but, like. I just felt like that was such a, such a flawed idea, which I guess like, sure, it's a reality show. Of course it's going to be flawed, but you know, it's like, oh, is love blind? Like, can you fall in love with somebody without seeing them? And I was like, hang on, we have a lot of other factors to worry about. Like we have, you know, like geography and then we have this and this and like jobs and, and values and like whatever, like there are so many things that can get in the way. And like, I think it's important to... Yeah, I don't know. It. I feel like it's a. Uh, it can be damaging. Um, I think to think. Really... Sorry. Yeah. To to no, think that no. you you, almost like you have to conquer all. Like sometimes it just isn't meant to be, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, and like no matter how much you love someone, that doesn't mean that it's gonna work out. Like maybe it could work out in the future, but it's like not working right now and you have to like take care of yourself and like separate yourself from that. Um, and I feel like not learning that is, or like teaching that love conquers all is like not a, not necessarily the best lesson. It's weird. It's called love is blind. It's like really, it's like love is ignorant. You know, it's gotta be ignorant to <laughs> every other factor. And then it's fine. Like, it, you know, I, yeah, right. It's, it's oh my God, it drives me crazy. Like. Thank you for listening to Our Childhood Sucked. Join us every Tuesday for a brand new episode. To learn more about our project, you can visit ourchildhoodsucked.com and follow us on Instagram at ourchildhoodsucked. Performance alert! 
Keep your eyes peeled for a new virtual workshop of our play. A date will be announced soon. A big thank you to the supporters of our fundraising campaign this summer. Thank you to Cheryl Frank, Tara Kunkel, Julianne Schaub, Maggie Rogers, Shima Reja, Mark Fongheiser, Faulty Stars 1995, Nick Blanchard, Laura Gutierrez, Grace Dillon, Laura Brain, Adnan Ahmed, J.M. Diab, Katie Dembinski, Jared Samuelson, Molly Camp, Oliver Richards, Molly Huey, Patricia Truss, Chandler Black, Maddie Dennis Yates, Ben Eckert, and Tristan Rose Julia. We'll see you next week. <laughs>